0: Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Tabernacle podcast. Wellspring Tabernacle is a Bible-based Trinitarian Christian church in Marble, North Carolina. We seek to impact our community through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode and may God bless. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Wellspring Tabernacle. We are so so glad you are here. That song we just got done listening to, um, it you know it talks about wherever we go, that God is there, and it, and it echoes one of the Psalms. You know, David said, um, to quote the song, he um, they quote the Psalms where David said, "If I make my bed in hell, lo, thou art there." And a lot of times as Christians, we can get in places of, of self-isolation to where we think we're all alone and no one is there with us. And I'm reminded of what happened in First Kings. See, in First Kings, there, God had a prophet named Elijah that had a showdown with the priests of Baal yeah. on top of Mount Carmel. Yeah. See, they had gone to Mount Carmel and and they had a um, they had a bull for a sacrifice to Baal, and they cut themselves, and they prayed, and they wailed, and they wept, and they cried out for Baal to come and to you know consume the sacrifice. Come and consume the sacrifice. And Elijah mocked them. I mean, he's got. There was a crowd there too. A crowd gathered. We're gonna have a showdown between a prophet of Jehovah and the and the and the priests of Baal. And Elijah said, "Well, maybe he's off on a journey." How many times have we felt like God's off on a journey somewhere, you know, or maybe he's asleep. How many times we've we been like them disciples? Lord, do you not care that we perish? Yours and they finally come to the end. Baal wasn't doing nothing because he couldn't do nothing. Wow. And Elijah said, All right, he said, I want you to go fill up pots full of water and dig a ditch around this alder. And he said, You pour them water pots on that. And it got they poured so much water that it filled the ditch up that he had dug around the alder. And then he Elijah just bowed his head. And more or less, in layman's terms, God, do what only you can do and consume this sacrifice. The fire of God fell down out of heaven, consumed not just the bull, but it ate the bull, it consumed the stones and lapped the water up out of the trench. After that display of God's power, Elijah isolates himself. And in 1 Kings 19... He prays for God to end his life. He says, God, I'm all alone. I've got nobody else and my life. And God speaks to him and he said, Elijah, you don't know it, but I've got 7,000 out of Israel that have never bowed a knee to Baal. We are not alone this morning. The book of Hebrews says, seeing that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we are not alone. When we isolate ourselves we deprive ourselves of something the Bible, and that's why church is so important. That's why gathering together with other believers is so important. Right. Because when we isolate ourselves, the, the, the devil attacks us and tries to convince us that we're alone. See it. See it. When if we would gather with the saints, if we would gather with the people of God, we would soon discover that no, we are not alone. And we're not alone anyway because those of us who are born again, and we're going to talk more about that right here in just a few minutes, those of us who are born again are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Think about that just for a minute. When you came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, when you repented and put your faith in Christ... You, the third person of the triune Godhead, took up residence inside of you. Like that song said, where can I go from his presence? We could go to the deepest depths of the bottomless ocean. And God would still be there. We can go to the highest mountaintop and he's still there. And he's still wherever you are this morning. He's an omnipresent God. That means he's everywhere all at one time. We are not alone. And last week we started in John chapter 3 um with christ's conversation with nicodemus and today we're going to continue that conversation we're going to look at verses three through seven now i'm going to read from verse one to verse seven but we're going to hone in on verses three through seven um and i'm also i'm going to read this don't you know don't fall out on me but i'm going to read this out of the modern english version this morning. Um, It is a, like our, you know, like said, our church bylaws, it is based on the received text of the New Testament. Um, And it's a good translation. If you're looking for a translation that's in that, you know, the King James family, but you want something in a more modern English Modern English version. It's got it where it's at. But in in John chapter three, starting in verse one, the Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs or miracles that you do do (coughs) unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, that's what the word, and if you've got the King James, that's what verily, verily means. It means truly, truly. again father we thank you for your word we pray god that you would multiply to our hearts this morning lord we pray god that you would move in the way that only you can holy ghost i pray that you'd fill me afresh god touch me afresh anoint my lips of clay god my stammering tongue god i pray this morning that you that your word would go out that the gospel would not be hid this morning in jesus mighty name Amen. But looking at this passage, I want us to notice some things. All right. Firstly, like we talked about last week, Nicodemus comes talking about miracles and, and, He compliments Jesus and he pays him honor by calling him rabbi and calling him teacher. But Jesus doesn't join in on that part of the conversation. He keeps the main thing, the main thing. All right, Nicodemus needed to be born again. And Jesus wasn't going to let any amount of bragging or talk about miracles distract him from that. All right, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, honoring him with titles and with compliments. And Jesus goes straight to the heart of the issue. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, in other words, he says, all right, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you've said your piece, and now it's my turn, all right? You come with titles and compliments, but I come to you with pure undefiled truth. Listen, then Jesus drops a bomb. He says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, all right? Now, this rocked Nicodemus' world, and I hope this morning that it does the same to you. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Jew. He was a son of Abraham. Now, the Jews, they had this thought about their messiah is that they... The, is that the Jewish people would all share in his reign based on their being the seed of Abraham and nothing else, all right? Jesus tells Nicodemus in this sentence that all of that doesn't matter. Jesus tells him it doesn't matter, Nicodemus, that you're a Pharisee. It doesn't matter that you're a member of the Sanhedrin. It doesn't matter that you're a descendant of Abraham. You must be born again. And you hear me this morning, your, good, your ideas of how good you are don't matter. Your feeble attempts at being right just your good works, your church attendance, your social standing, and who you're descended from don't matter. It doesn't matter if your grandpa was the greatest preacher to ever live, or if your grandma was a great Christian woman, it doesn't matter how much your mama believes in Jesus, or how great of a deacon your dad was this morning, you must be born again. You may think this morning that because you prayed the sinner's prayer and got baptized but ever, that everything's all right between you and God. But look at your life. Is the kingdom of God at work in your life? In other words, is the active sovereign rule of God discernible in your life? Are the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, gentleness, goodness, temperance, patience, meekness, long-suffering, and faith evident in your life? Do you have these things in your life that show not just other people but yourself that something is inside of me that I did not start, that I cannot keep going, but something is at work in my life that has made a difference? And looking at the rest of verse three, Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the the kingdom of God if you haven't been saved by the grace of God not only will you not know what the kingdom is you won't be able to see it when it's in front of you you've got to be born again all right that's why do we think that atheists can laugh and mock at Christians right in their face when they go to them in love and try to talk to them and try to share the gospel with them it's because they're not born again they can't even see the kingdom But Nicodemus, looking at verse four, Nicodemus responds to Christ with a question that I believe was somewhat sarcastic. He asks, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Now he, much like many of us, was thinking the wrong way about what Jesus said. Nicodemus immediately asked how it's possible to be born when you're old, thinking that somehow he could go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time. In his response, Nicodemus shows how the vast majority of the world today thinks about salvation. We think there's something that we must do to earn or to make it work somehow. The idea that salvation is something that we earn or help God accomplish, is totally wrong. Now I know I've said what I'm about to say before, but I want you to understand something. God does not allow something to be repeated unless it needs to be repeated. And there's someone here this morning that needs to hear this. So listen. It's a quote from Alistair Begg. He's a great preacher of our modern day. And he said it this way. He said, without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the grounds of our salvation. So with that, to go to the old Fort Lauderdale question that if you were to die tonight and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. If we answer that with because I, because I believe, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing, loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person because he, because he, think about the thief on the cross, he said, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? You were cussing the guy out with your friend, all right, and then you, but you've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You didn't know a thing about church membership and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? Well, that's what the angel must have said. You know, like, well, what are you doing here? And the guy says, well, well, I don't know. Well, the angel, what do you mean you don't know? He says, well, because I don't know. And he says, well, you know, excuse me, let me go get my supervisor. They go get their supervisor, angel. And he says, okay, so just a few questions. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy says, I've never heard of it, never heard of it in my life. And what about, okay, well, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. The guy's just staring. All right. And eventually, in frustration, this angel looks and says, On what basis are you here? And he said, Because the man on the middle cross said, I can come. And that is the only answer. That is the only answer that will satisfy God. That is the only answer that we can give. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust in my own experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, then I can only give lip service to the the efficacy of it, while at the same time, I'm living as if my salvation depends on me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or to a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the arrogance and the pride of man that says you know I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. The cross says no you can't. It is because the sinless Savior died that my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. It is because of what Christ has done and not what we can do. Just as we took no part in a sin. This is what I love to say to people that that, that want to claim that they helped God save them somehow. How big of a part did you have in your original birth? You didn't do anything except come out kicking and screaming. That's it. That's it. We had no part in our first birth, and just as we had no part in that first birth, we have no part in our second. That's right. That's right. And we have to be careful of this, especially those of us in the Christian South, because we base a lot of our religious affections on experience. And we know, I mean, y'all know, all right, if somebody cries, oh, well, they're under conviction. If they walk an aisle and make a profession, then they're saved. The list goes on and on. Now, I'm not discounting emotion. When the God of glory comes into the life of a person, it's an emotional experience, but we cannot base our standing with God on that experience. Salvation is entirely a work of God, and that's what Jesus tells Nicodemus in verses five through seven. All right, look at it as he says again he starts off truly truly listen up Nicodemus unless a man is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God now what did he mean by water and the spirit well he explains it in the next verse he says that which is born of flesh is flesh water all right natural birth and that which is born of the spirit is is spirit. Do not marvel. Don't be shocked. Don't be amazed that I tell you you must be born again. He tells Nicodemus it's not another natural birth that you need. You've already had a birth of the flesh. You've got to be born by the spirit. This passage is littered with the phrase born again. And in the Greek that that phrase literally means to be born from above. Born from another world. From another dimension. Another realm. The birth that Christ tells Nicodemus Nicodemus, he needs and tells you this morning that you must have is from another world. To see and enter the kingdom of God, we must have a second birth that repairs the damages of our first birth. Well, what damages are you talking about? David said it best in the Psalms. He said, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Friend, we are born under we are born into sin. We are born with this natural propensity, this natural bend towards a sinful lifestyle. And the thing about, I'm already seeing it in my kids. They're not even old enough to understand what sin is, but yet they'll tell a lie. It's because of that Adamic nature, that flesh nature is active in them from a very, very young age. We're messed up from our first birth. And that's why we have to have a second birth. Yeah, I was born. Let me just get on this right here just for a minute. I was born June the 10th of 1989 to Leonard and Crystal Deals. Yes, I was. And that first birth, I thank God for it. It gave me life. I'm thankful for that. But that first birth could not fix the problem that I had. Amen. The problem that I had could only be fa- It couldn't be found with anything in this world. There was nothing in this world that could cure the problem that I had. There was nothing in this world, if you're born again this morning, if you are saved, there's nothing in this world that could cure the problem you had. It took something from another world It took something out of a place that we in this flesh cannot get to, but by the Spirit Paul says we can travel into the heavenlies. What do you think happens when you pray? What do you think it is that happens when you beg God for something? Your prayers transcend this world and are ushered by the angels into the presence of an almighty God. What do you think happens when all you can do is cry and weep? The Bible says that our tears are Bottled and they're poured out on the altar of God, and they go up into His nostrils as a sweet smelling savor. Friend, this morning I want to encourage those of you who are saved and are praying for lost loved ones. I want to encourage you this morning to not give up. Do not stop praying. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm telling you this morning. Why is it that I'm born again? They will nobody ever can not. You cannot convince me. You cannot convince me that prayer does not affect someone's salvation because I'm a living example of it. I'm sure dad prayed, but I never did hear him pray. But I heard my mama beg God for a wretched, lost soul. And that wretched, lost soul was mine. And that was the, when I heard my mama pray for me, that was the beginning of God wooing me and drawing me to a place of repentance. (sighs) But we must be born again. And that birth must come through and by God, the Holy Ghost. Jesus said that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And too often we treat salvation like a vaccination, all right? Thinking that because we pray to prayer, we don't have to go to hell. If that's you this morning, let me just hear me and hear me well. You must be born again. God and God alone must do the work of salvation. Otherwise, it will not happen. The church has excelled for the past few decades of by selling people a costless Christianity and it has produced a powerless faith When you come to faith in Christ, it costs you. You're giving up your right to self-define, giving up your right to self-identify, giving up your right to be applauded, liked, and complimented by the crowd. Being born again is the world behind me, the cross before me, going all in on Jesus. And when that happens in your life, it creates a desperate need for God by His strength, might, and power to make Himself known and manifest in your life. We have in our own minds outgrown our need for the power of God and we have become educated beyond our own usefulness. This morning, church, it is through and by God's power and God's power alone that we can and must be born again. Now, I know that a lot of people have a tendency to to shrug off a message like this. So, you know, oh, well, I don't need to hear that because I'm already saved. Y- you do need to hear it. We want to we want to act like those and, and, and I and I, you know, I can I have a tendency. I can get like this as well. All right. With those of us who are saved, we tire of hearing over and over a message about salvation a message about salvation well um like i said just a minute ago just because you think you're saved based on your experience does it mean that you really are i thought i got saved when i was five years old because i had an experience turned to find out 15 years later i was doomed and bound for a devil's hell We cannot base our eternity on an experience. We cannot base our eternity because I did this or because I did that, because I believe, because I did it. No. When I go stand before God one day and I am asked on what basis are you here? The only answer that I will be able to give is Jesus. That's the only, and that's the only answer that God's going to accept. Look, well, I mean, what we talked about this Wednesday night, you know, about the people that are going to stand in that day, in the day of judgment, and say, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and, and you know, done all these wonderful works. All right, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because they were basic, they were trying to justify themselves to God based on what they had done. And the only justification this morning that God will accept is Jesus looking unto Jesus not looking unto our experience not looking unto ourselves, but looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher all right, he didn't just begin it but he's going to bring it into he's going to bring it to completion why do I believe that w- That when I got born again that nothing can take that away from me because I'm not the one that's got to finish it he's the one that's going to finish it and it was the let me tell you all this it was the same grace that come to me on February the 18th of 2010, that same grace that saved me is the same grace that's keeping me going and it's that same grace that one day is going to carry me on into glory. It's all of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. It's all because of Him this morning. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of what He's done and nothing that else not of God that i have done nothing but the blood of Jesus this morning and that is the only thing that will satisfy a just God nothing but the blood of Jesus we have to be born again through and by the sacrifice that Christ made. And when he got up out of the grave, not only did he sacrifice himself on our behalf, but he, ro- but he rose again yes, on our behalf. Right. Because, and I've told y'all this before, had, he, had it all ended with Calvary, had he not got up out of the grave, we would have no hope. That's right. But when he got up, when he got up, he had told them, he'd said, look, you destroy this temple and in three days, I'll raise it up again. What did they do? They destroyed the temple of his body and three days later up he came. And now he stands with arms stretched wide and says, let whosoever will come If any man thirsts, let him come to me. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To all the prodigals that are out there in the hog pit, saying to themselves, the servants of my father's house have bread enough in despair. The father is waiting with outstretched arms. It doesn't matter. You say, oh, well, I've gone too far, God can't save me i've gone i've done things that are unspeakable god won't hear anybody like me let me tell you this morning it doesn't matter what kind of filth you're in it doesn't matter what kind of sin you've committed i have a god who is not only willing but he's the only one that's able this morning to save to the uttermost those who believe friend We serve a God that delights in saving sinners. Let them come in, let them come in. I don't care what they come in here look like. I don't care if they come in here covered head to toe in tattoos with pink and purple polka dotted hair. I don't care. I'm going to love them and I'm going to preach Jesus to them just like I would if they come in with a suit and a tie. Thank you, Father. This world does not need more programs, it does not need more self-help groups what this world needs is the gospel this world needs to be told you were born messed up but thanks be to God this morning you can be born again you can be born a second time and that second birth will fix each and everything that was wrong with the first birth you got a problem with sin, you need to be born again, you with with addiction get born again you struggle with homosexuality get born again and you say well how do I know that because of what Paul said he said do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God adulterers fornicators idolaters effeminate those that were you know drunkards all these things won't inherit the kingdom of God and then he says and such were some of you notice that that's past tense now remember your English and such were some of you but you were washed thanks be to God this morning come now let us reason together saith the Lord though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as snow though they be red like crimson they shall be as wool I'm glad to know this morning that I was washed in the blood of the Lamb and I was not only washed but I was justified in the spirit and sanctified by the spirit of our God How'd that happen? How do I know that happened? Because I've been born again. It's not based on a feeling. It's based on an ever conscious reality that the God of all glory has taken out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. The God of heaven did a work in my life that only he could do. through his power and his power alone. So if you're here this morning, and I know you know that most likely everybody, I hope everybody in here is born again. I hope you are. But if you're here this morning and you're asking yourself for the first time or where it might be the millionth time, whether or not you're saved, whether or not you're born again, I want you to know that the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You can leave this place today knowing that Jesus is the Lord of your life. You can leave here with assurance and knowing that you are born again. You can leave here knowing that you've been birthed by the Spirit into His kingdom. He stands ready and willing to save to the uttermost. Come to Him. Come to Jesus. The gospel is Jesus died so you don't have to. And now he invites you to come and partake in his death so that you can live eternally. You must be born again. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wellspring Tabernacle podcast. If you feel led to do so, please give us a review on the platform of your choice. And if you would like to reach out to us further, please email us at NC at gmail.com. Until next week, may God bless you.